The DFS Studio is brought to you by DraftKings. Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Yo, welcome in. It's the Fantasy Footballers DFS Embedding Podcast, September 12th. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. Not bad for week one bets. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't incredible, but it wasn't bad either. Uh, Weird weekend, man. Weird weekend of football, I felt like. There was a lot of uh, good, fun storylines, but also like a lot of just like, what was that? Like, like, what did we just see, you know, from, like, the Bears offense? It was just a train wreck. Um, And then the unfortunate side of things, right, with, like, the J.K. Dobbins injury, which was just, I feel so bad for him, the human being, uh, just terrible. And then the Aaron Rodgers thing last night. I mean, it was, and then the game itself last night. Like, I'm sure you watched the game, or or I don't know if you stayed up, but, like, my goodness, what a game. I felt like every emotion, just from, like, the disappointment to the Rodgers injury to, like, the insane return at the end of the overtime. Uh, Josh Allen was, was you know, three years ago playing YOLO ball against. That was kind of <laughs> uh, scary to watch. Uh, but, man, it was a crazy weekend of football, as it almost always is in the NFL. I feel always bad for you because I know your timeline just gets completely, you know, swamped with people asking for injury analysis. And then the sad part is, is when bets, you know, I, I feel like you're good about saying this is what this could be as opposed to saying this is what this definitively is. But that gets passed around and, you know, we're still waiting on full stuff with Aaron Rodgers. We're recording this Tuesday morning, but you probably already see it. Uh, it's it's the frustrating part of fantasy football. And I know this is the part of your job that you get paid to do. But honestly, like, is there like a love-hate relationship with like injury stuff? Yeah, I mean, there's... Like, I love the analysis part of it because it's not as easy as saying this is what it is, so just do this. Like, of course, there's a range of outcomes. Uh, speaking of, Brees Hall looked awesome last night, and we talked about, look, like, he could be a guy that starts slow but just is a league winner for you down the stretch. And, man, if he's 100%, he houses that, you know, 95-yarder that he took almost all the way. Uh, the, the defensive back caught him at the end. But that's an example. And, you know, these, this stuff happens with, uh, you know, the kind of range of outcomes thing, which is how I always approach the injury analysis side of things, but yeah, man, that's, it's part of what I do, but it's also, I think a good edge in what we have sometimes, like, well, sometimes we'll use that information for props, you know, taking unders on guys that might not be hundred percent healthy or, uh, you know, fading them in DFS if the field is on them. So just examples of that, but yeah, man, unfortunately NFL injuries are a real thing and they will continue to be a real thing. Uh, my buddy Edwin Porras with fantasy points, he had this statistic a couple years ago, only 2% of NFL games are injury free. That is just that just tells you like the sport that these guys play and the game we try to analyze, uh, you're asking for chaos every single week. And we certainly got it in week one. So on this Tuesday episode, we're kind of reflecting. We're looking at, hey, what was part of the process from week one? What went well? And then we turn the page looking at week two, the state of the main slate. Like here's the games you need to understand. Here's the players that are not on the main slate. For instance, Justin Jefferson and the Vikings play your Eagles on Thursday night, which will be a super fun game. You will discuss that in your Thursday night breakdown article on the DFS Pass. 
And then we give our salary standouts. Like this is our first initial take of looking at the slate. Now you can build a cash lineup, but that's not what bets and I do on a Tuesday. We just get a pool of players and begin the process of DFS. So for a Tuesday is looking at the slate. Wednesday is kind of looking at the games. I give a pace of play. Bets does a Vegas report. And then we move to Thursday and Friday where we give you our picks and a pool of players that we think uh, can work for you. So let's review what happened in week one. Straight cash, homie. Bets and I, every single week, will kind of talk about our cash process, who we gave the listeners, and maybe, just maybe, if uh, you got to come out, you know, on your double ups, your head to heads, whatever, this isn't a chance for us to boast. It is a chance for us to be transparent of just, here's what happened. Every single week, I write a cash lineup review article, which is therapeutic. I don't know. Like it's, it's just a great time for me to just say, here's what happened. Here's why I went wrong. Here's what I was doing this week. And like, I even got a shout out to my son Truman in the article because on Sunday I texted Betts this picture, but dude, I was floating down a river, uh, on Sunday, right before lock, which, uh, Maybe shock some people. <laughs> I guess the good good thing is we didn't have any like major slate breaking type of news <laughs> that could have shifted things, you know, at like twelve thirty or whatever. But dude, yeah, you were just you were chilling on the river in your in your floaty in your raft, uh, cashing some DFS lineup. So hats off to you, my friend. You had a, a very well balanced weekend, and you came out in the green. Yeah, and I think the majority of you know my process is the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that I've whittled down a lot of it. And there is news like Isaiah likely was something that we moved with. And obviously at the end of the day, scored 1.4 points, but I wrote this up in my article, punt plays will never be the thing that kills your lineup. It will be what you did with the major salary. So if you struck out, you know, go in a certain direction of a high price guy, then that's really tough. Like if you went for Jalen hurts, I get it. Like he was part of our pool of players, but it's not where we landed. So for me, I had a great week in cash and double ups, my head to heads, I went a hundo, dude, which doesn't normally happen, but I went 100% thanks to Tyreek being our top play. Just, I mean, he was on the cover of our top plays and was a player that you and I were all about. So Tyreek, uh, Justin Jefferson, and Ridley were my three wide receivers, and then I threw in Marvin Mims as another punt. The commander's defense, I just don't understand if you went a different way why you would do that. So that was that. Anthony Richardson. And then I had some snowflakes in my lineup, but I think... If you had Tyreek, you could probably weather that storm. So it was a good week for me and Cash. Yeah, same. I played a, a very similar lineup. I landed on Anthony Richardson. The difference that we uh, took is I ended up playing the running back duo of Jamal Williams and Raheem Mostert. And then I was able to get up to Jamar Chase, which felt great. I mean, before lock, uh, after lock did not feel as great. <laughs> yeah, to show up to head to head with with those three dudes. I mean, that's just insane those guys were all top five picks in redraft leagues for a reason um so that was you know I, if i had a chance to do it all over again i definitely would have played them for sure the, the jamar chase didn't work out we're going to talk about the bengals on this uh this show and probably this week i love a buy low spot this week on joe burrow and his guys i mean how often does just joe burrow literally give t higgins zero yards i mean that's a one percentile outcome right that's not happening very often. So I love buying low on those guys this week. We'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, I landed on a very similar lineup. I really did want to try to get up to Jalen Hurts just because we talked about Anthony Richardson. It was like, man, 
the projection is great, but it's so fragile. We don't know For how sure. good he could be. We don't know if he'll run. We think he'll run. Uh, and he ran. <laughs> he ran a lot. And they definitely used him that way. And actually, I mean, I know some of the numbers were a little inflated, especially with like the Michael Pittman, you know, screen pass, took it to the house. But dude threw for over 225 yards roughly um, and no one was expecting that in his first NFL start so I think the future is very bright for Anthony Richardson yeah you and I looked at rookie quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round what they do in week one and he was kind of above all of those metrics that we saw as an average so that was nice we want to give you a couple of things to keep in mind each week we'll review our cash process and then we'll kind of throw these in there but for week one going to week two it's important for cash that you just you, you make sure you stay the course. Maybe you had a good week, maybe you had a bad week. For us, it was it was really good, and we I have a lot of listeners that said thanks. Um, but keep these things in mind. So I'll give one. We'll, we'll, Bets will give a couple. Just don't don't do shoulda woulda coulda. I I that's my main thing. I say that every single year. But please don't say if I just would have done this, I would have cashed. Like you didn't. And I'm gonna be the person that does the same thing. Like oh man, if I just would have played Tyree Kill, if I just it's going to happen every single week. So instead of landing at that, because when you do that, you end up saying like, I was almost right. And there's a quote that Betts and I have done a couple times from a book we read about forecasting a while back, but we are more open to almost being right than we were almost wrong. Like I look at my lineup and go, wow, I killed it, right? I also could look at my lineup and say, I easily could have landed on a different player and that would have changed the course of my lineup. Like, you know, I landed with Mixon instead of Chase, but I wouldn't say that like Mixon was a way better play. It's just where I landed. And so because I had Mixon, I didn't have Chase and I just happened to avoid that. So it's actually like looking at a lineup and saying like, instead of saying, I almost got it, it's like, hey, I actually almost could have gotten it wrong. So you're not too overconfident when things uh, go right. So no shoulda, woulda, coulda is my first piece of advice. Yep. That's always a good reminder, especially after week one, because it feels so easy to say in hindsight what you could have done or what you should have done. But Think about the reason you played the plays you did and the process behind it. That's more important than actually being like, well, it worked or it didn't sort of thing. So good reminder every single week on that one. Um, another thing to keep in mind is that when we're playing these cash games, people are going to make mistakes. And man, I, I say it every year. I feel like I say it every week, but sometimes I open these up and I'm just like, you, someone really decided to play Derek Carr in a cash lineup against me. Now, nothing against the person that did this. They may have had a good process and they thought that was right, but just... To me, that was never that was never on my radar. <laughs> I don't think that was really on anyone's radar for a cash game. Could maybe you have said, for a "Look, I think maybe." Yeah, the the Olave Michael Thomas stack, you know, double stack. If you wanted to go that route, was so cheap. No one's gonna play it. Sure, in a tournament, whatever. But like in a cash game, like just you don't do that. Just don't do that. So, so there are people that will make mistakes, and that's why we still think there is an edge in cash. No, I had a lineup that went against me. That I, I was like, oh, this is easy. This person brought in Jordan Love and Aaron Jones stacked together. And I liked Aaron Jones. He's in my pool. <laughs> and then, of course, I barely beat this person. Barely. And, and I'll just say this too. Head-to-heads, they help insulate your losses. So, I mean, I don't think my lineup was good enough to go 100%, to be honest. Like, I, I it was fine. I probably had three snowflakes. But because of the mistakes other people made, then it was easy. I mean, Russell Wilson was a cash game quarterback for somebody. In a tournament, I'm fine with that. But there's no reason to go there when Betts and I kind of whittle the pool down to here's like three or four quarterbacks to look at, and he wasn't on there. So people make mistakes. And then I'll also add for my third thing to keep in mind, don't make dogmatic statements after week one. You don't have to. Like in the FanDuel uh, 
millionaire, the person that won had zero correlation, which has happened uh, twice in the last like four years. It just doesn't happen. And so I had some people ask me like, hey, does that mean that like we don't need to stack as much? It's like we have one game to basically go off of and we don't want to write off everything else. We like stacking because 90% of the time it's going to be in the, the winning lineup and it just happened not to in FanDuel. But in DK, you needed to stack, right? Like you needed Tua, Tyreek, Austin Eckler. That, that was in the Millie Maker lineup. So don't make dogmatic statements because of week one. Give yourself a little bit more room, especially on players that airball like T. Higgins, I, I put together his tar- targets, air quotes, targets from week one. And I would say, what, two or three of those would should count as targets? Yeah, it was it was a rough showing from Burrow. I mean, Burrow didn't play the entire preseason with, with a calf injury, right? So right. it's not that shocking. And the weather, uh, you know, great defense from like their their defense in Cleveland under Jim Schwartz was awesome. And the scheme was great. <laughs> you see Miles Garrett as he was like approaching the line was doing like a fake uh, crossover hesitation basketball move and then rush the passer. Did you see that? Yes. Dude, Miles Garrett. <laughs> what a guy. He's just an athlete, dude. He he knows what he's, he's doing. Unreal. So yeah, don't make dogmatic statements about players, about usage, about everything else week one. I mean, I get we have to move fast. We we don't want to be passive, but we also don't have to like go all the way to like, this team will just be bad forever. So, right. Because uh, I made a dogmatic statement at halftime of the Buffalo Jets game. Like, all right, well, we know Buffalo is going to win this. And they didn't. Spoiler alert. Jeez, Kyle, come on. And and that's the thing, too, about the NFL, right, is nothing is ever as bad or as good as it might seem because six, seven days later, things change, right? Like, we are all, if you woke up in a redraft league and you had Burrow or Chase or whoever, like, that, yeah, that was terrible. But that's not going to happen every week, right? We can't just get stuck to one-week one sample sizes. And I think the field does that sometimes a little bit too much. Now, the field is getting sharper, but that does happen time to time. You don't think um, um, the other. You don't think that. Go ahead. Uh, Puka Nakua is gonna uh, be targeted <laughs> on forty percent of his routes again. Uh, dude, he's already wearing a gold jacket. Dude, he is a fun player. He was fun in Dynasty. He is. We're gonna talk about him on the Dynasty podcast because uh, no big deal. I might have talked about him over the summer. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, the other thing I wanted to remind everyone is just contest selection matters, right? Uh, you know, especially in Week One where. There's so much hype, especially with like these large field contests. I mean, you open your app, there's so many options. Like it's kind of overwhelming. But if you remember, like this is my process and this is where I'm going. If you're finding the right single entry, large field double ups, people asked uh, in Discord this week, hey, what's better? Like the one with 2,000 or the one with, you know, 20,000. The bigger the sample size, especially in these double ups, the more chance that opponents are going to make mistakes. And again, we want to limit the uh, contests that we play avoiding the multi-entries don't play in the double ups that are you know 120 entries 150 entries whatever it is because the best cash players in the world will enter the same lineup 150 times and you're basically just making the contest harder for yourself so go to a level playing ground with a single entry don't forget about your head-to-heads and then just remember your style matters if you prefer to chase those huge massive upside wins like that's cool do your thing be be rate conscious be smart about your contest size but don't forget, there is, I think, some still edge in these smaller field contests, which is where I'll be living this year. Yeah, and and the one that I use in my cash article is the $25 double up because I think it's at the price point that, you know, you're getting less casual people, so it's a little bit more competitive, but keep that in mind, what the right contests are. We can post those again in Discord, which is my final point. Make sure that you find a friend to spar with some people. So in the Discord, the DFS channel, 
other than like some start sit channels that we have in the fantasy footballers, I feel like the DFS channel is the most active channel we have in the fantasy footballers right now. And you get to go back and forth. Hey, does this cash lineup make sense? Hey, well, what do you think about this lineup? People are getting to give you advice and you get to talk with other people. So that's one of the perks if you get the DFS pass. So make sure you get on that. But we also want to celebrate some of those people. Man, bets. We had some big winners that were DFS Pass subscribers. I'll let you read this first one, this first comment from uh, your boy Possum J. Yes, one of the most active members we have in Discord and had an awesome week, almost had an even bigger week, but played a Tua Tyreek Ayuk stack, and those guys went uh, bonkers. So uh, he said, shout out to Betts and Borg and the whole team. This was an optimizer lineup that I played. I entered Tua, Tyreek, Ayuk, and it filled in the rest for me. You guys have an amazing product. DFS pass for life. Yeah, I mean, and it obviously paid for itself right away. They went over a K. Matt Hakeem, who's actually our tournament takes uh, writer that we added this year, he had a monster win where he won 70K. He's Lord Matty Ice, and he will be in the Discord this week getting to chop it up with you people. So, when we say we're bringing in people that know what they're talking about, week one, Matt Akeem just came out just swinging. And then we also had a Sunday night football uh, big winner, Chris C324. He won 10K on the Cowboys and Giants game with a build that was Cowboys defense in the in the captain spot, Tony Pollard, and then just threw in Saquon. But like that game, you basically needed to think the Giants are going to poop the bed. I need to stay away from them. And the Cowboys are going to, you know, basically have the greatest defensive performance of all time so um that's awesome we'll, we'll give some shout outs every single week on this tuesday show our discord members awesome people but if you want to get the dfs pass like i said it can pay for itself in one week use the promo code dfs pod you can save 10 percent if you bought the ultimate draft kit you can upgrade at an even cheaper price but go to dfspass.com if you want to get that but let's talk about week two state of the main slate Bets and I each week will refer to the DraftKings Sportsbook line. It's where Bets and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com and we're going to check in with a couple of wagers that we made ahead of this week two kind of preview. And I just want to say, Bets, Amon Ra looked great, but not great enough in week one because he hit his under as we talked about on this podcast. I mean, what a win for me. Were you sweating it? Oh, yeah. He was at 70, what, 71 yards or something? Yeah, I think his receptions prop too was six and a half and he had like four or five like, you know, in the first half or like the first minute of the third quarter, like he was like right there and it was like, oh, this is going over. And then it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and then it didn't. But it was a it was a nice balance, right? Because we had him on one of our best ball teams. I have him everywhere, of course. Uh, but you also had his props. So you had the best of both worlds. You got the touchdown, but you also got the under on the yardage. Yeah, the best, the, the Hannah Montana of props is a good feeling when you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> it's not saying can Amon Ra hit this number. Yes, he can. But over the course of time, it's a good bet to hit the under on this. And that's why, you know, I brought that setup. I'll I'll tell you one where I took a bath because I had a couple of parlays where I placed them when I was in Arizona and I hit three of the four legs. And the only part that I didn't hit was freaking Vikings money line. Killed Baker me. Mayfield, baby. Dude. <laughs> I mean, it's not shocking with the Vikings because of how volatile of a team they are, but like, come on, at home 
against the Buccaneers. It's okay if you don't cover, but win the game. Yeah, that was rough. And that was a fishy line too. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but like as you got closer to kickoff, it was like plus six early in the week and then plus five and a half and then plus five on like Sunday morning. And I was like, ooh, weird, weird vibes around the Vikings. And I, dude, Vegas always I knows, took man. the Buccaneers <laughs> plus the points in our, in our pool. We have a pool uh, that we do for our company. That's super fun every single year. But Vikings money line felt like at home this should happen. But so those are my two from this past week. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to um, a reminder for everyone. Like, you don't have to pay extra because DFS props is already in the DFS pass for you, player props. There's no extra subscription. There's no extra weekly payment. Like, it's just what you pay for the DFS pass. You get this every week. We went five and three in week one. Very fun, up 2.38 units. But I want to give a shout out to a preseason bet that I made. And I remember on the show, you said, I don't know, man. I just don't see it. He was suspended, you know, for gambling. How will the league feel about that? Calvin Ridley is him. He looked awesome, dude. Awesome in week one. And I got him at uh, 75 to one for comeback player of the year. Now, these markets will change so much week to week. So I don't want to overreact, but he's all the way up to 10 to one after one week of football. So we'll see, man. We'll see. If, if he keeps it rolling and the Jags can win a bunch of games, I think it's in the range of outcomes. We'll probably do a segment maybe halfway through the year where we talk about more of the awards market because it is so emotional. It's basically what just happened. And Things change over the course of the year. So DeMar Hamlin was the favorite. He was inactive in this game. I promise you things will change as the, you know, over the course of stuff. But yeah, that that was a great bet. Let's take a quick break and then we'll break down the slate. All right. What we like to do each week is break down the slate and tell you which teams are on it, which aren't. So I mentioned earlier, Vikings and Eagles will not be on the main slate. That's a Thursday night game. And then Dolphins and Patriots a Sunday night. And then we have two Monday night football games this week and next week. So the slate is actually a little bit smaller. The main slate we talk about for DFS is down from 13 to 12 games. So it's a little different. And I just want to say the afternoon slate is gross. There are some gross games. None of the games are over 45. So we'll talk about how to approach that. But bets, give me the 50 plus total games and the teams that have the highest team applied totals. Yeah, this is sort of a, it just feels like kind of, uh, you know, week one, we're just going to parlay that into week two because there's only one game and it's where it was last week, you know, with the the Dolphins and the Chargers at 51. It's KC and Jacksonville. And then we've got a bunch of these games just like last week that are kind of in the upper, you know, to mid 40s. So I feel like it, it profiles as a very similar slate from a, a totals perspective. As far as the team totals, leading the way, we've got Buffalo, then Detroit, Kansas City, San Francisco, who looked incredible in week one. And then the market is not overreacting to what we saw from the Bengals last week. They are fifth highest on the week in terms of their team pl- implied total. No, I liked seeing that with the Bengals because I think they're a team that you and I are going to be higher on this week. I was pretty low on them last week, and I was fortunate to not have any Burrow stacks. But you and I usually look at these games and say, who are going to be the most popular games to stack? And I just want to mention right off the bat, Seattle at Detroit is a game that people will have some type of nostalgia. Like, okay, there is something about these two teams. And last year in week four, 48 to 45 was the final score. In the Millie Maker, this was the full-on game stack. There were six players from this game. Lions home games last year averaged 58 points per game. And Jared Goff, his home road splits is something we always talk about. Last year, he averaged 21 fantasy points per game, 35 pass attempts, 274 passing yards, and the most important part, 2.6 passing touchdowns per game. 
This was also the game, I forgot about this, that we hit on the long shot prop of Rashad Penny to lead the week in NFL uh, in rushing yards, which is just bananas that I, I just totally forgot he was even there. So um, this game right now is at 49. Do you expect it to be around 50? Um, It's hard to say because Seattle looked so bad. Last they just week, logged out in the second half. <laughs> they, yeah, in the first half, they actually looked pretty decent. I don't know what happened at halftime, but they just could not do anything. Aaron Donald just wrecked that game. He's unreal. Um, but I think that this one probably will be pushed up. I mean, you have the narrative of last year's matchup, right? You've also got the the Lions at home narrative, which I mean, there's numbers to it, so it's not just a narrative, but like the public knows that, people know that, and so I do think this probably will creep up as the week goes on. But we'll see. You know, come Friday when we record. Yeah, so Seattle-Detroit, I think, is going to be a popular game. And then we had this game last year, and I think it's just going to be another one that people love, but it's Kansas City at Jacksonville. The Kelsey news is what we're still waiting on, but I it seems like things are trending that he will play. Yeah, it sounds like he, you know, he never really had a chance in week one, but it sounds like they avoided worst-case scenario, and kind of day by day, he's gotten a little bit uh, healthier. So we'll see as the week goes on. Um, this one, it is worth noting, opened at 50, was already bet up to 51 and a half. So I think the, the public or, or people putting their money on this rather do think Kelsey plays. And obviously, if he does play, that elevates the ceiling of the game, makes Mahomes stacks look a lot cleaner, very clean bring back if you want Trevor Lawrence stacks. So I think Kelsey is the key here. But I also could see the you know people playing it just because, look, week one was terrible. Like for all for all the dudes in Kansas City, but their price is so cheap. So if you want to play a Mahomes double, if, if Kelsey's out, you can do it easily. If you need a cheap bring back on a Lawrence stack, you can do it easily. So the total teams we like, fun up, you know, high upside uh, game environment makes a lot of sense. And then with how good Calvin Ridley looked last week, I do expect him to be quite popular this week. Mahomes is at eighty three hundred. We'll talk about salaries in a second, but obviously we didn't have him. On the slate in week one, we didn't have Josh Allen. They're both on this slate this week. So the pay-up options are a little different than maybe what you were thinking last week. We'll talk about the salary movers. But sneakiest game for me on this slate, I just need to say it, is the Chargers at the Titans. Ryan Tannehill looked like the worst. Like, should not be in the league. You need you should be gone. But obviously, they look at their options go Malik Willis, Will Levis. Nah, we can't do that yet. So... Titans look terrible, but it's a game in Tennessee, and the Chargers are known for being a run-funnel defense, so this sets up so well. Derrick Henry at home, and the Chargers passing attack against a terrible Titans secondary, so I just think the game makes a lot of sense, like when I look at it, like, okay, you stack, you double-stack Justin Herbert, and you you have Derrick Henry in there, and you just kind of go from there, so it's, it's expensive, but I think it works a lot, and then I'll say this about the Chargers. Bets and I love the Chargers. We're suckers for them. And I knew I was going to get hurt, but I had to explain to my family when we were watching the Chargers game because Justin Herbert is my son Houston's favorite football player. I had to explain to them, hey guys, so when you watch the Chargers game, you have to expect to be disappointed. That's just how it works. That's how they're going to do it. And when they went up like late in the game, I was like, okay, just know <laughs> this Here is how this works. <laughs> it will be bad. And there's a couple of plays from that Chargers game, like right before the half, that stupid pass interference call, and then they gave up a field goal. And then a couple of plays, like, just guard Tyreek deep. Like, what are you doing? Are you expecting, you know, Durham Smythe to beat you? So anyway, <laughs> Chargers, heartbreak city. 
Yeah, it's everyone knew the ball was going to Tyreek and they still couldn't defend him. I mean, that it's just he's so good. Um, the other thing with the Tennessee situation, um, you know, there was a lot of Tajay Spears on the field in week one. And there was a quote immediately after the game from Vrabel saying, like, you know, it wasn't in relation to that specifically. But he said a lot of stuff happened in week one that, you know, isn't our norm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So, like, I would not be shocked if at home they just feed Henry, you know, 25 carries or something like that. So I, I like the. The contrarian approach here, Kyle, to buy back in to a Ryan Tannehill Wait, offense. What could go wrong? Yeah, you're telling me a contrarian take that also includes the Chargers is is part of my like game plan. <laughs> like that sounds sounds right up my alley. The, yeah, the headline that people ha- said was Tajay Spears outsnapped him. He took all the third downs. What if I told you this is just pulling this out of thin air? What You've if third downs us. don't matter? <laughs> they don't matter. So you've already anyway, told us. Uh, they yes. need to know again. Talked about this a little bit already. I, I really want to buy back into this Baltimore-Cincinnati game. It's sort of that secondary game total where it's not at 50 or 51. It's kind of right there in, in the high 40s. But look, the Ravens just lost J.K. Dobbins. They've got some offensive line injuries. I don't think they're going to try to run a ton in that situation with uh, Justice Hill and Melvin Gordon and Gus Edwards and no disrespect to those guys. But their best way of having an explosive game is getting Mark Andrews back in the lineup, getting Zay Flowers involved, who looked great, throwing the ball Bateman kind of in his second game back off the injury like it all lines up I think for more passing for Baltimore this week so I really want to buy into that and on the other side we already talked about it like Joe Burrow and the Bengals they're not going to have a game as bad as they just had probably for the rest of the season right so I love buying back into that and quietly a very very key injury in Baltimore secondary they just lost one of their better safeties Marcus Williams to a torn peck he's going to be out in this game I want to fire up Jamar Chase I want to fire up T Higgins and Joe Burrow this week yeah, and Zay Flowers is a fun player to add. He went up $1,000 in salary, so that's a pretty big price hike. But I think this game, there's a lot of different ways to stack it. Which game do you want to be underweight on? And I just want to quickly say, last year we faded Denver like when we realized who they were and just said they're going to hit their under over and over and over again. Washington was another team. They happened to play each other this week. And last year you looked at the stats. They were combined 67% to the under. Both of them went under last week. And... These teams play slow, like just super slow. Denver was 31st in seconds per play. Washington, what a weird game to be able to say like, hey, you could stomp on this team and the Cardinals just kind of hung around for a while. I thought we were going to get Sam Howell kind of like unleashed and throwing down, but the McLaurin injury, like he looked like not fully himself. So I just think this is a game you don't even have to go there. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, Washington fans, it's great. You won week one. They did not play well. They looked, you know, discombobulated. The offensive line they was a wreck. didn't lose. That's how I looked at it. Right. Totally. They did not play very well. The offensive line was an absolute train wreck. And and that's not just the line, but, you know, quarterback play matters. Sam Howell is an experienced. The offensive line was getting, allowing pressure left and right. 15.4% pressure rate allowed was the fourth worst in week one. Now they go on the road as a dog taking on Denver, who has a great defense and, and they you know, have an awesome secondary. So it would not be shocked, shocking to see Washington go in there and lay an egg. And then, like you said, how can you have any confidence on Denver's side? It's kind of more of the same of last year where it's like you're left wanting more every week. Now, granted, Jerry Judy was out. He's a key piece of the passing offense. So maybe if he's back, it's better. But Washington has a pretty solid secondary as well. So I think this one's going to be a very low scoring uh, kind of gross game environment. I'm with you. I would like to be fading the Giants and the Cardinals <laughs> at just 38 and a half. Team imply or, or or game total rather, 
look, the Giants, it's never going to be that bad again. It's never as good or as bad as it seems in the NFL. But you can't take anything away from that week one game, except for the fact on their very first drive, on the plays that counted, so not including a penalty or a fumble, they called a run play eight out of nine of the plays on their first drive. And they moved the ball extremely well against Dallas, and they had the field goal you know, attempt block for a touchdown, and it was over from there. But they were run heavy last year. I think that's what they're going to want to be in this game. Now they're favored, taking on Arizona. And it's tough for Josh Jobs. He was thrown into the fire, so to speak. But they only logged a 46% neutral pass rate. Jobs had a 4.44 YPA and 5.8 ADOT, both of those 26th in the NFL in week one. So it's just not the game environment you want. I, I can tell you that Saquon is going to be my player pool at 8K in this matchup because of how run heavy they were. So uh, I also like that you hit uh, on that Joshua Dobbs call on uh, on his passing yards. You hit the under, right? Yeah, I was shocked that they had it where it was. It was opened at like uh, 210 and a half, I believe, and then got bet down to like 195-ish, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I'm I'm shocked they opened at that line with the weapons and Hollywood Brown injured and, and all that stuff. So yeah, we definitely took the under there. All right, a couple more categories. Which team are you most confident hits the over? I'm going to say the San Francisco 49ers because they looked freaking awesome. And I also think the Rams defense looked way better than it should have in the second half of that game against the Seahawks. So I think the 49ers are a team. They have a 26-point team implied total. They're on the road and they're eight-point favorites. I think that they're a solid team in, in that afternoon window. like the game, The games this week and the way that people are going to stack is going to be so heavy on the early window that I think the 49ers are going to give you some contrarian options if you're stacking. Yeah, I like that call. Um, we'll talk about their salaries in a minute, but they did not move nearly enough for how good they looked in week one. I kind of like Atlanta to go over their total. And I'm not saying Atlanta is going to be this hotbed of fantasy goodness <laughs> every week, uh, but their run game, dude, it's just so efficient. And yeah, I, if I was Arthur Smith and I was winning games, I wouldn't force it to you know London or, or Pitts either. They're just so good at moving the football how they do. And, you know, Green Bay historically has been pretty bad against the run. Now, in week one, they looked great because Justin Fields fell on his face. The offensive line didn't play very well in Chicago. And it's just a one-week sample. So I'm not really here to say that Green Bay is going to stop this this rushing attack. I think they can easily get uh, 20 points in this spot. Yeah. I'm a Falcons fan, so I can't really... I can't, I can't be optimistic about anything in life. <laughs> Ritter did what he was supposed to do, like in the sense of like Arthur said, don't do anything off script. And so throw the ball you, where I tell you to throw the ball and put the, put the ball in the belly of Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson as many times as you can. 18 pass attempts. He was four or five on play action. So they're like, hey, we're, we're yeah, we're going to give you an opportunity, you know, three or four times to actually do something. So who really knows what they really are? But fun team, man. The Falcons are a fun team apart from fantasy. Uh, which is is like splitting my soul in two. I love this team, and I do like fantasy, and I feel like people just hate the Falcons. Which team are you most confident hits the under of their team implied total? I'm putting the Raiders. They're on the road against a Bills team that the defense looked just fine. The defense was totally fine. It was Josh Allen imploding with those turnovers. So I think... I think Las Vegas should not have won that game against Denver this past week. I didn't think they deserved to, but I also think that Broncos didn't deserve to even be close either. So uh, I think Las Vegas, you can actually do some bring back. But other than that, like, I just don't, I don't want to stack Jimmy G. Yeah. 
And this is a perfect example of kind of a get right spot, right? They have that classic letdown on Monday Night Football. They easily should have won that game. Now they go home. They're taking on Jimmy G on the road in Buffalo, a game where the Raiders feel suddenly great about themselves after a win against against Denver. This is a classic letdown spot for the Raiders here, taking on a motivated Bills team after that loss. So I like that call quite a bit. Um, I'm going to throw out Chicago. Look, Justin Fields, when he runs, he's going to be great for fantasy. But I don't know if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL long term. Like They did not move the ball well. Tons of turnovers, still the same stuff we saw last year. And it is that completely different conversation of fantasy versus real NFL you know, quarterback play, and it's just not there yet. So I think this looks like a decent spot to feed the Bears. All right, let's look at our salary standouts. Salary standouts. The chance, you know, really the opportunity for us is to say, here's some dudes. Like, we're looking at this on a Tuesday. Start off here. I'll have a full article, a first look article that's out in the DFS pass that kind of gets to tease out some of this. So this is us, our initial takes of saying, we looked at the salaries, it's Tuesday, okay? So do not take this as a final word. Once we get to Friday's show, you'll go, oh, what happened to that guy you mentioned? It's like, well, we actually put some projections together. So when you're building a lineup, it's not just feel or gut. I like this player. You don't want to just be stuck in the mud. These are just our, these are just our takes off of vibes, just straight vibes right now. No numbers. That's- that's what Tuesday, Tuesday is just a vibe day, right? Oh, for sure. We're kind of turning the page. We're recapping. We're turning the page a little bit, looking ahead. Just here for the vibes. Okay, so my first thought was Josh Allen under 8K in a bounce back spot. Sounds awesome. So he's 7.9 on DK. And then the dudes, Goff and Gino are going to be players that people play a lot from that Detroit and Seattle game. So Goff is 6.2K. Gino at 5.9, who looked terrible. But I, I mean, right? A doubles, a Geno double stack makes a ton of sense in tournaments if you're going to stack up this game. So those are the guys that initially I say, hey, put them in your pool right now. Totally. Yeah. I mean, anytime you see that price and you know that we had the offseason takes that we did for a reason, you want to just make sure you're not overreacting to a one-week sample. So yeah, Geno looks like a, a decent bounce back option, especially for tournaments. I'm not sure if you can go there in cash with the lack of confidence, but you got to at least feel good that uh, you know you can fire him up and the, the stack is very affordable. So love it for tournaments. Um, also throughout uh, Trevor Lawrence, 6.7K, and then Joe Burrow at 6.9. They're kind of in the second tier of pricing, but we know that the ceiling is there, especially we talked about it for Burrow. It's never going to be that bad again. And then for Lawrence, like there was some eh, stuff on tape, but there was some incredible stuff on tape too. If Mahomes has his full you know weaponry, that game looks pretty awesome. So very interested to see what happens here with Trevor Lawrence throughout the week. At running back, I mentioned Saquon earlier at 8K. He's going to show up just based on usage, game script, favored, and Cardinals. That's just kind of like the game we're going to keep playing, right? Last week, if you would have played Brian Robinson, you would have been happy for what he did at 5,100. So I like Saquon at 8K. Ken Walker in that Detroit game is only 5.8. I'm kind of interested in going there. He's a value. And then in the same game, Jameer Gibbs at 6.3. You and I, our our main takeaway was like, okay, this guy is only going to show up more and more and more, especially on a full PPR site. Like, It's hard for me to play him in cash, but I want to play Jameer Gibbs in tournaments if I'm going to stack that game. Yeah, you can't play him in cash. There's no way after he played 27% of the snaps in week one. But 
One of the things that I love to do in tournaments, especially with these rookies, is sort of play it before you see it. So you don't want to be, you don't want to wait, you know, four weeks from now, and then all of a sudden, if Gibbs usage does go up week after week after week, and all of a sudden he's like 7K or something, you don't want to be late to the party, so to speak. So I think that's a very sneaky take. He probably won't project very well, truthfully, in optimizers, you know, in projection sets, just because it's hard to like, from a math perspective, it's hard to make him look incredible without seeing it first. So he's going to be one of those guys that is not cash viable. But I think if that game stack is one you're after, makes a lot of sense in tournaments. Um, we talked about the Tennessee and the Chargers game. I think Derrick Henry at 7.4 looks totally solid this week. Uh, that's a price we've been willing to pay in the past. He's gotten up to 8K, 8.2K, 8.3K, and we've played him. So at 7.4, seems like a nice uh, opportunity here. And also throw out we got to monitor the Austin Eckler injury that, you know, didn't really notice much during the game. I know Mike talked about it on the show, uh, which, dude, don't come for my job, Mike, okay? Uh, but Eckler dealing with an ankle injury, we found out on Monday from Brandon Staley. Uh, Josh Kelly, man, he looks pretty good in that game. 16 carries over 90 yards and a score. Um, if Eckler is limited or out, Josh Kelly at 5K would be one of those solid cash plays. Now, Granted, it is against Tennessee, and this feels like Jamal Williams 2.0 from last week, where it was so inefficient and so bad that I might fade him in a tournament. But if you had him, you know, at 5K for cash games, he'd be totally fine. I also want to just throw out Tony Pollard. Looked great on Sunday night. I know it was kind of limited opportunities, but 7.5. They are now seven and a half point favorites. The Cowboys are against the Jets. That line obviously moved a ton with Aaron Rodgers news. So he's interesting at wide receiver. I just want to mention Jamar Chase's splits against Baltimore as a buy low spot, 7.9K against the Ravens. He's played them five times, including the playoffs. His target count, 10, 10, 12, 13, 12. So if I told you you're getting 10 targets right now, you would be super happy. Here's the lines, 8 for 201 and 1, 7 for 125, 7 for 50, 8 for 86 in a score, and 9 for 84 in a score in the playoffs last year. So Jamar Chase right now, is probably going to be my top play. I'm saying this as of Tuesday. It will probably get some value, but probably my top play of the week, especially because we don't have Tyreek or Justin Jefferson on this slate. Yep. Can't argue with any of that. We've already talked about uh, the Bengals a ton on the show, so I am with you. And those stat lines are absolutely incredible. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Diggs at the top? He's 8K, taking on the Raiders. We talked about Josh Allen, you know, kind of buying back in at home. What are they, nine, nine and a half point favorites? Massive team total. I think Diggs is going to project super well. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to with salary. Like, I mean, Josh Allen, I initially was like, oh, I want to play him in cash. You can play that stack together against a terrible Raiders secondary. I like Chase. So if we get some value here, like a Josh Kelly, then I think you can play both Chase and Diggs. And last week, that was just plain fun to be able to play two or three stud wide receivers in your cash lineup. It's totally possible. So love Diggs. What, what, 10 for 102 and one. Uh, yesterday. So that was pretty nice. And then the Jaguars wide receivers, Ridley is the clear play and his salary went up $700 and Kirk went down because he wasn't great, but I think Kirk is an interesting name to put on your tournament radar. He's only 5.1 K. So I think the Jaguars passing attack is something you can use in cash and GPPs. Don't forget about Zay Jones, dude. Like I don't know how good Zay Jones is, but that catch was incredible. And this is not just like a one-week thing. Like He was good last year for that team, and he's playing a ton. So for tournaments, that's why I love Trevor Lawrence stacks is because I think it's it's 
it's not mandatory, but I think most weeks we're going to want Lawrence and Ridley, and then you just pick your second option. It could be Evan Ingram. It could be Christian Kirk. It could be uh, Zay Jones, and those guys are all super affordable. So I like that call uh, on Christian Kirk specifically for tournaments. Um, but just to speak to Ridley, dude, 97% of the routes, 35% target share, and over a 30% first read target share, a.k.a. he is Trevor Lawrence's dude, and he is the alpha. So I, even though he went up in salary, I think he's still underpriced. What's funny about Ridley talking as a Falcons fan, is he's not fast. It's kind of like Diggs. Diggs isn't fast, but he's football like quick and just moves better with pads on. So it's one of those players that like, is he the best athlete like wide receiver? No, like he's never going to be that. But the way that he gets open, manipulates his body, route running, that's really all you need in the NFL. So I agree with you. I think Ridley, you can still play. He's only going to go up from here, right? Like he should be, 75 to even up to 8k in the next you know couple weeks so keep that in mind big mike willie mike williams ready to hurt us again in a tournament he's at 5.7 against tennessee that is screaming for us to play a derrick henry mike williams correlation in tournament and get hurt again but i just want to put on your radar bets because i know that you're emotionally attached to him i'm i'm ready to lose more money dude you don't have to tell me twice. I will happily click the button and I'm ready for a snowflake in my lineup. So let's go. Yep. Um, tight end. I just wrote good luck in, uh, in this because we don't have information yet about Kelsey or Andrews. So that's up in the air. And if you're not, if those two aren't playing, then it's once again a situation where you're probably going to punt. It's not great. Adam Troutman is 3K and we just got news that Greg Dulcich is going to move, uh, miss multiple weeks. So, 3K is a punt. Isaiah Likely, people will not want to go back there because they were burned. But remember, that wasn't the thing that hurt your lineup, right? Tight ends were just gross across the board. Hunter Henry was the tight end one in fantasy this past week. And you really didn't need him. I played him in a couple tournaments, but like, didn't matter. Um, Noah Gray is who you wrote down, 3.4. So, I mean, it's it's just punting, right? Yeah, and Gray's usage was fine. I know it was Blake Bell that got the touchdown, but, I mean, he played 88% of the snaps, and he saw five targets. And at 3.4K with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, that's totally fine for cash at his salary. So, of course, we need Kelsey to be out for that to be uh, a play. But, yeah, I think if those guys are out, Kelsey and Andrews, like, there's not that much separating the 3K guys from the 4K guys, so I'm going to try to save money if I can. I like, so defense this week, we don't have to mention it very much, but there's a lot of options in tournaments that I think you can go. So the Ravens, all right, against Joe Burrow, who didn't look great, but we're, we could probably buy back there. The Jaguars against Patrick Mahomes at home are interesting. All these options are below 3K, by the way. Uh, super interesting. The Falcons against Jordan Love at home. The Titans at home against the Chargers. Like, There's lots of different routes you can go with defense. The Packers against the Falcons. Like, I like the defensive GPP options, and I guess if you just wanted to play Washington... At 3.1 in cash, like, just do it again. I don't care. Yeah, they seem fine. I wish they were cheaper. I hate paying more than 3K in cash, but it, it depends what value options we get. You might be able to fit them. We'll see. But, you know, as we say, we're always trying to save money at the position. But if you can get up to them, I think they're pretty solid this week, taking on Denver. Russ concerns. Judy's still banged up. So it, make, it makes a lot of sense. If you want to play with us every single week, go to ballersdfs.com. That will direct you to our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. But here's the most important thing. If you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm already in the league, look at the contests that are already in there. 
Like last week, we had a thousand person contest that didn't totally fill. And so we had some really good overlay from people that just didn't enter the contest. We have over 5,000 people in the league, but sometimes people just don't even look at the contest. So if you're looking for a contest, uh, look in our DraftKings League. Bets will have one for Thursday night and we get to add some other ones that are super fun. We had some listeners for the first time win some tournaments because they were playing with people like us who, I don't know, we're real soft around our listeners. Like we're, we're fine in other places, but super soft. You can bully us, take our money, whatever you need to in our in our DraftKings League, ballersdfs.com. That'll do it for this episode. We'll be back on Friday to get to talk about the slate bets. Tell everyone bye. Yes, uh, just the vibes today. Too. We'll be back with numbers and spreadsheets for Friday to help you all win some money. Hope you have a great week. Enjoy. We will catch you on Friday to preview the week two main slate. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.